All right. All right. Now, listen, I've got to go quickly through this. I've got to go quickly through this. We do have several, several babies that are going to be dedicated today. Uh, But I want to I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything. I've seen some things in in these sets of verses uh, that I think is really going to open the eyes of some folks this morning. If you will recall, we have been going through the book of Mark. Jesus has happens to be in Capernaum, Capernaum, uh, a little uh, a little city on the, the west side of the Sea of Galilee, northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. This is where Peter is living. Uh, this is where he went into the, the, the synagogue there in Capernaum, cast out the, the demons out of the man. Uh, listen, it just spawned an, an explosion of people coming to Jesus and wanting to be healed. And the Bible says that, that after the Sabbath was over, when the sun set, they began to bring people from all over the place and Jesus healed them all. Healed them all. All up into the night, Jesus was healing people and and fixing people. Early in the morning, we remember that Jesus got up way before daylight and he went out to pray and spend time with his father, which we know is the source to his power. Say amen. And, and then the disciples wake up and they go looking for Jesus because we got another crowd here. Uh, we need round two of this healing uh, demonstration. We got a bunch of people wanting to get fixed, wanting to get healed. And do y'all remember, do y'all remember Jesus's response? He said, no, no. He said, I need to go to the other villages and preach, say it with me, and preach. and preach. You see, these folks were just interested in a physical healing and Jesus come to tell them about a spiritual healing. How many of y'all know it's a whole lot better to be sick and go to heaven than to be well and go to hell? And Jesus said, no, we need to go to other villages. Uh, I came to preach the gospel. And as that, this is where we find ourselves today. And as he's going to do this, a leper, a leper found Jesus. All right. So let's look in, uh, 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 Mark chapter number one and begin in verse number 40. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He says, I know you can. I just want to know if you will. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And he saith unto him, say it with me. I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him. That means sternly, sternly. I mean, Jesus was serious about this. He sternly, straightly charged him and forwith, forwith means immediately sent him away. And there's something significant to that. And he saith unto him, see thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing these things, which 
Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out, the leper, the former leper, went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in where? Desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for your mercy. I'm so grateful for your word that you've given us to to know you, to learn, Lord, to, to be edified, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be convicted. Your word knows exactly where we are. Lord, I don't have the ability to read people's minds. I don't have the ability to be in everybody's house, but you do. Your Holy Spirit goes everywhere. And you know who's here. And you know what they need to hear. And I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit in such a way that every single word, every single thing out of my mouth, uh, Lord, will be anointed and will be controlled completely by the Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Uh, my ears are all messed up from being on that plane, Mike. So if, it, if it's going in and out, I, if I need to change anything, just wave at me or something, okay? I want you to see three things this morning. <clears throat> First of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We're going to look at the leper. The leper. First of all, the leper. A couple of things I want you to see about him. First of all, I want you to see his sickness. Write that down. His sickness. Uh, If you're not familiar with leprosy, leprosy was a devastating disease. It was something that is much like what we would uh, what we would hear if we went to the doctor and we heard the C word, the cancer word, the, the fear that it would strike in our hearts. When you heard the word leprosy and you were, you were uh, uh, pronounced to be a leper, your whole life changed. Your whole life, you might, you might as well say your whole life was over. You could no longer do what you used to do. You could no longer go where you used to go. You could no longer be what you used to be. This sickness was one that would cause devastating things to happen to your body. They believed in that day it was highly contagious. You see, what began as a little blemish on the skin, uh, it, your, 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 your feelings, your, your nervous system would, would slowly be destroyed and you would begin losing feeling in your extremities. In other words, everything became numb. You couldn't feel your fingers, you couldn't feel your toes, and and because of that, things would happen that, that would cause infections because you wouldn't even realize you had a cut on your hand or a or a scratch on your on your feet, and and you're literally to be as is is kind as I can be, your body would literally rot away, and when you were found to have leprosy. The priests would banish you from people. You could no longer be inside the gates of a city. 
So if you could not go into the gates of the city of Jerusalem, guess where else you could not go? The temple. Your whole worship experience was, was nil and void. You had to be an outcast. You had to stay on the outside of the city gates. You had to leave your family. You had to leave your friends. You had to be completely, and this brings us to, this brings us to point B. Uh, we not only see his sickness, but we see his separation. His separation. You see, uh, because of his leprosy, because of his disease, because of his sickness, he had to cover his mouth and stay six foot away from people. Anybody know anything about that? And, and that is if you were downwind. If you were upwind, then you had to stay 150 feet away from people. And anytime, anytime someone would come near you, you had to be in sackcloth and ashes. You had to have ragged, tattered clothes so you would be easily identified as a leper. You had to cover your mouth and anytime you got near anybody, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. And people were petrified of you. People would shun you. People would walk on the opposite side of the way from you. They would stay away from you. And, and, and they said as the disease progressed, as the disease got worse and worse and worse, your fingers would begin to fall off and your toes begin to fall off and your body would begin to rot. And they said the stench, people would not just see you coming, they would it smelled death. It smelled death. And you had to stay away from the population. Now, we know, we know, can you imagine? Jesus is walking, his disciples are there. Probably a crowd around Jesus because everywhere he went, there was a crowd because of, because of his reputation and all that. Can you imagine, can you imagine as Jesus is here talking to his disciples or whoever it is, and there's this crowd, and all of a sudden the disciples look up, and, and back at the end of the crowd back there, it starts parting like the Red Sea. Because people are seeing, and there's probably a gasp, a gasp. Uh, 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 an unbelievable response from the crowd because they can't believe this leper is coming around people. What is he doing? This is not legal. He's not supposed to be here. But the leper didn't care. He just comes to Jesus. And Jesus, we know what happens. I'll get to him in just a second. Jesus heals him. Jesus heals him. But then I want you to see this. And I'm going to go a different route than you, you may think this morning. We see, what was A? We see his, his sickness. Then B, we see his, his separation. How many of y'all know he's separated? And by the way, by the way, leprosy is one of the, one of the most clearest types of sin in the Bible. How many of y'all know the more you sin, the less you feel it? The Bible talks about a seared conscience. The more you allow sin in your life and the more you practice sin in your life, the less you feel convicted about it, the less you feel anything and your conscience is seared. Sin will separate you. 
The Bible says the Lord's hand is not short and it cannot save his ears, not heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins, your iniquities have separated you between you and your God. Sin separates. Look at, look at C, write this down. Don't you see his sin? His sin. Say, preacher, where do you find his sin? Well, it's there in that last verse. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. Jesus told him. Verse 43, verse 43, straightly means sternly. In other words, Jesus was not joking about this. He was serious about this command. He charged him and forwith, forwith means immediately he did what? Sent him away. And this is what he said. See thou say nothing. Don't say anything to any man. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for a cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. In other words, I want you to... Now, if you're going to show yourself to the priest, where was the priest? In Jerusalem. They were at the temple. He's way up here in Galilee. The temple's way down here. He says, immediately go do this because if you will go to the Old Testament, you'll find out that God made provisions uh, for leprosy and God made restrictions for leprosy and that you had to go report to the priest and the priest would kind of diagnose your situation because God gave them a way to do that. And the priest would have to declare you clean or And because I did this for you, you need to go make this and offer a sacrifice. You need to be thankful. You need to go to the priest. You need to get clear. We need to follow the law here. Let's be obedient to what God commanded us to do. Go immediately to Jerusalem. What does he do? First of all, he said, don't say nothing. What did he do? He said everything. Everywhere. In that region. He didn't even go to Jerusalem. He disobeyed the Lord in what the Lord told him to do and commanded him to do. He said, don't say nothing and go to Jerusalem. Because see, they had already rejected him in Jerusalem and he wanted them to have a testimony. I want you to go to the priests in Jerusalem and let them know what happened to you and who did it. Are y'all with me? Can you imagine Can you imagine being a leper? We we don't know how long he was a leper. There's a great possibility for years and years and years he's been separated from his family. He he may not even have any fingers. He may not even have any toes. He may be just wrapped up in putrefied, nasty, nasty uh, rags. And he is coming here as a last resort. And Jesus heals him. And I believe when Jesus healed him, he had all his fingers and all his toes. God restored him whole. Just to turn around and do the opposite of what he commanded him to do. Then we see number two. Number two. The message is in the last point, so we're just getting an introduction. What was number one? We see the leper. Number two, I want you to see the Lord. Man, what a picture this is. What a picture this is. First of all, write this down. I want you to see the Lord's touch. The Lord's touch. The Bible says that this man fell before him. 
This man fell before him. In verse, verse number, number 40, kneeling down to him, saying unto if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Jesus moved with what? Compassion. I looked that word up. Webster's Dictionary. Put it in your notes right there. Watch this. This is such a good definition. A suffering with another. Painful sympathy. But this is the part I love. Compassion is a, what's that word? Mixed passion. It's a compound. It's a compound of love and in other words, in other words, when Jesus saw this man, he loved him. When Jesus saw this man, he loved him. But not only did he love him, but he felt pain because of his condition. How many of y'all are glad that Jesus loves you? How many of y'all are even more glad that he feels what you feel? That he knows what you're going through. He knows your sorrow. He knows your pain. He knows your frustration. And he not only knows it, it bothers him too. It's a compound of sorrow and love. He loves this man. He is sorry for his pain. He feels sympathy for his burden. And watch this, guys. This is so good. This is so good. Especially for you big sinners in here. And by the way, if you think you're anything but that, you're missing it. But I'm talking about people in here that's really messed up. If you're in this room right now and you're thinking God will never forgive me. Oh, preacher, if you just knew what I've done, if you just knew my past, if you just knew how wicked I have been, if you just knew my, oh, preacher, you just don't understand how could God ever love me? How could God ever forgive me? I've been so wicked. Well, let me tell you something. This man came to Jesus and the only word I can think is nasty. When you think of a leper and you think of him dripping with infection, dripping with bodily fluids and it's just nasty and it was illegal to touch them. If you touched them, you would become unclean. But let me tell you the first thing that Jesus did when this man came before Jesus is he reached out and he touched him. Hey, Jesus is not afraid of your nasty. Your past doesn't shake Jesus up. Listen, your, your blackness, your sin doesn't shake Jesus up. He will still come to you and have compassion. Oh, I love this. I love this. There's so many people that are so broken and so hurting because, listen, oh, preacher, I just can't even forgive myself. How in the world could God forgive me? You don't understand. He will touch you. The whole crowd is separating like the Red Sea. They're parting like the Red Sea. They're doing everything in the world trying to get away from him. They are so mortified by the, by the very scent and by the smell and by the sight of this man. But Jesus in compassion, Jesus in love and sorrow touches him. 
I don't know if you know how significant this, but he has not had human touch since he was diagnosed with leprosy. Jesus is not afraid of your nasty. Bring your brokenness to him. I see Jesus' touch. And I'm trying to hurry because I've got to get to the last point. I see Jesus' touch. I see Jesus' testimony. Write that down. This is what this guy's words were. I know you can. I know you can. I know you can. You know what? I don't think there's been a time in my life I've ever thought that Jesus couldn't do something. Y'all know my story. I grew up in church my whole life. I've always known that all things are possible with God. That's never been a question. That's never been a consideration. I've never thought, I wonder if God could do this. I wonder if God could really save this person. I wonder if God could really meet this need. I've never, ever, that's never crossed my mind. But I'm going to tell you what has haunted my mind. I wonder if God will. Anybody with me on that? Well, let me give you his testimony. He said, I know you can, if you will. And what Jesus say? Hey, I came to tell you this morning, if you're wondering if he will forgive you, he said, if you're wondering if he could fix you, he said, if you're wondering if he could change your situation and turn your life around, he said, I will give it to me. I will. Bring me your burden, I will. Bring me your nasty, I'll clean it up. Bring me your hurting and I will heal it. Bring it to me, I will. I will. Then I want you to see. Not only do we see A, say it with me. We see his. His touch. His touch of love, his touch of compassion. We see his testimony, I will. I will. Then, then I want you to see his trade. Now you're going to think, what in the world are you talking about? His trade. And this is going to show you the sweetest picture of salvation you've ever seen. You see, there was a day that this leper was in the desert. There was a day when this leper could not be around people. There was a day he was outcast in desert places. He could not come through the gates. He could not associate with people. He had to stay away from everybody. And there was a day when Jesus was in the city. Jesus was in the gates. Jesus was with the people. But after this situation took place, now, watch this now, you got to get this. Now, this man is in the city and Jesus is in desert places. Say, preacher, what took place? They made a... The man went to the city 
And Jesus went to the desert. Say, preacher, what point are you trying to make? I'm trying to tell you, Jesus traded places with you on Calvary. Jesus traded places with you. He took your punishment. He took your discipline. He took your stripes. Say amen. How many of y'all are glad Jesus traded places with you? Then number three, let me say this quick and we'll, we'll pray over our babies. Number one, we see the leper. Number two, we see the Lord. And number three, this is big guys. I want you to see the lesson. The lesson. Say, preacher, what is the lesson in this story? It's not what you think. It's not what you think. You see, this man was physically cleansed. That's what he wanted. That's what he requested. He wanted his life to be easier. He wanted his circumstances to change. And watch this now. And he got what he wanted. But he missed what he needed. What's the lesson, preacher? It's possible. Now look at me, everybody. This is important. Don't don't miss this. It's possible for you guys to come and get what you want and miss what you need. What are you getting at? Let me give you a few verses and let's, let's talk about it just a second. You say, preacher, he came and he knelt. You know, some of us base some, somebody's genuineness in salvation on whether they cried or not. Whether they came to the altar or not. What, whether what their emotional state was or not. I, I remember one time a, a, a lady came a lady came to the house that I lived in uh, that was coming to church and she was under great conviction. And you know, I've seen people get saved. I'm telling you, I've seen people weep their way to the altar and just broken and just weeping and wailing and gnashing up teeth. And you think, man, God got that one. And I was, I prayed with this lady. She, I, 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 she wanted to accept Christ and, and, and she was sitting there and I prayed with her and I said, how do you feel? She said, not great. I'm, this is after the prayer of salvation. I'm like, well, never heard that before. And there was such a somber look on her face and such a serious look on her face. And even to a point of a sad look on her face, that's not what I was expecting. And she got up and left. And I thought to myself, well, that didn't go too good. Because she didn't show what I thought she's supposed to show. I didn't see no tears. I didn't see no joy. I didn't see no happiness. And guess what? Next Sunday, she shows up to church with the joy, with the happiness, never missed another service. She was under such conviction and brokenness in that moment that she was still humbled by the fact that Jesus would even forgive her. Preacher, what are you saying? What are you basing your salvation on? I hope it's not emotion or a profession. 
Because the look of this guy, anybody would have said, hey, man, he came, he knelt before, he begged Jesus. But guess what? He was not begging for forgiveness of sin. He was begging for his problem to be fixed. How you know? Well, let's look. John 14, 21. He that hath my and keepeth them and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, say with me, if a man, he will keep my, my words. He will keep my words. Matthew 21. This is so, this is unbelievable. Watch this right here. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he's saying this. He said, what do you think? You see, because the Pharisees were all about looking religious and sounding religious and, and, and saying, saying how much they love God. But their deeds were saying the opposite. How many of y'all know actions speak louder than words? Watch what Jesus says to them. This is so, this is so enlightening. He said, what do you think? A certain man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Okay. He said, I will not. But afterward he repented and he said, I won't, but then he, he did. Now watch. And he came to the second. Here's the second son. And he said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. The second son said, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. But then he went not. Whether of them twain, Jesus is asking, did the will of his father. The one who said no and then did or the one who said yes and then didn't. Hello. They say unto him the first, Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Look at Matthew. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. In other words, there's going to be some very religious people go to hell. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever... Heareth, come on. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, obedient, I will like him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, Shall be likened to a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Look at me, don't nobody wrap nothing up, please. I read this over and over and over again. I read it on the plane to California. 
I read it in the hotel. I read it during the sessions. And man, as I looked, God began to show me a a man who had a sickness, a man who had a physical problem. And he really didn't care about Jesus. All he cared about was being healed. He didn't care that Jesus was the son of God. He didn't care that he came to take away his sin. He didn't care about forgiveness. He didn't care about life change. He cared about having his problem solved. And it reminded me of so many people I have seen run to this altar because they got a bad report at the doctor. Because their wife left them. Because their kids have gone crazy. Because they got fired from their job. Because they got laid off. Because now they're in a financial crisis. And their, their world has been turned upside down. And their life is a mess. And they run to God and says, help! And you know what Jesus does? He has compassion. And he says, I will. And she comes back. The kids straighten up. Their financial situation changes. God blesses their life and they leave and you cannot find them. They were not concerned with God's commands. They were not concerned with obedience. Listen, the greatest The greatest evidence of salvation is not a profession you made at 10 years old. It's your life of consistent obedience to the master. Don't tell me you prayed a prayer when you were 10 and lived like hell up until this point. Don't tell me you have a life that is reflective of disobedience, consistent disobedience. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes, but you ain't going to make a habit of it. Why did you come this morning? Why are you here? Are you coming because you got leprosy? Are you coming because you're tired of being separated? Are you tired of your life being the way it is? Are you, are you wanting your, your physical problems fixed? Or, or have you realized that you are a sinner and your sin has offended a holy God and you want forgiveness and to be right with him? You want me to tell you what will reflect if that's the case? When he tells you to immediately go to the priest in Jerusalem, you start packing your bags. When he tells you to keep your mouth shut. Say, why, why, what's the big deal? Why did Jesus tell him to do that? Because now Jesus can't do what he came to do. He came to preach in every city. He came to preach in every synagogue. And now he has to stay in the desert. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. What does your life reflect? Not what is your mouth saying? What does your life reflect? Are you just religious? You just attending church because that's what you're supposed to do? You attending church because your spouse will be mad at you if you don't? You attending church because you're guilty? You feel guilty if you don't? Or are you coming because you love Jesus? Are you coming because you know He is your Savior? He is your Lord. Don't get what you want. And miss what you need. 
I pray for your marriage. I pray she comes back or he comes back. I pray your children act like somebody. I pray your financial situation is the best it's ever been. But it will not do you any good if she comes back, the kids act straight, and you got money in your bank if you still die and go to hell. Jesus said this situation is so serious. This situation is so serious that if something you're seeing is keeping you from trusting and repenting and turning to God, then pluck your eyes out. If a habit that you have, if a sin that you have that your hands are committing, cut your hand off. What is Jesus doing? He's making a hyperbole. He's trying to say how serious this is. You would be better off going to heaven blind than going to hell seeing everything. The the picture is clear. Jesus took your place. Jesus said, I will. Jesus has compassion. But will you come to him as your savior? Not as your fixer. You see, that's why he left that first crowd in Capernaum. Y'all remember? He said, I came to preach. What was he preaching? That man is condemned without God. But God will forgive man. And God will deliver man. The good news. And all God's people say it. Ladies and gentlemen. Don't come get what you want. And miss what you need. And all God's people say it.